Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Everybody and welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan, where if your number is matches our system, you might be a winner. Uh, welcome. So happy to have you. Uh, the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And of course, we have uh, for the video, uh, if you were watching us on video, you already know. But for you, dear listener, we have back the third member of our fantastical movie club extravaganza, Shauna Ajak. Yeah. How are you, Shauna? Are the dogs barking in Ohio? I am good, but no, I put it on mute just in case. And then I said, and I am Shauna. And I realized I didn't say anything. I, 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 I saw you do that. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just I'll have to introduce her anyway. It's the danger, <laughs> the, the, the great danger of our age, right? Trying to ride the mute button like that. Right. You can yep. really, yep. me personally, I've given up. I, I commit to on and that's it. Whatever <laughs> happens, happens. Yep. Uh, I make too many, uh, I say uh, the Minnesota oh too much. So I try to, I sometimes have to ride the mute if I'm in meetings because I'll go, oh, and people go, oh, hey, Minnesota. Is that what they say? Um, so uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to the movie show. Uh, this week we have, uh, we will be talking about, um, we have our little movie club that we, we started doing this uh, over the holidays with uh, three holiday movies that, um, that we did was the holiday one the first one they've always sort of been the, the movie Wall club Street to me one. but yeah i think it be officially became that at the holidays that yeah is correct and then of course we did the uh the wall street the uh the business movie edition um of course with the secret of my success and a couple other has been movies i don't even remember <laughs> right, what we those. talked about <laughs> if it's not secret of my success i just don't care yeah. um <laughs> but uh, uh, this week, um, this week we have uh, some fun movies that we're going to talk about and we'll get to those in just a minute. But of course, first, uh, we want to start off the show. We made a post about it on uh, on Facebook, uh, but the passing of movie titan director extraordinaire Richard Donner, yeah, the yeah. man who helped us believe that a man could fly. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he passed away this week. Um, and it is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big loss and, uh, and a guy who, um, did you, I think, I think it was, was it, uh, was it your post Ryan that was said, that said, you know, basically, uh, whether you know it or not, Richard Donner's films highly influenced pretty much everything that has come after. Well, we, this group of us, we talked about one of his sort of lesser films, um scrooged right that was dick yep. donner that's actually as close to he came as sort of i mean it's not it doesn't take place in a 
you know, an alternative universe or something that's supposed to be our world, but it's this very heightened version of like television production and city life and all that. You know, he, he, he was criticized throughout the years as being this sort of just straight commercial director with no real sense of visual style. Like you never really knew if you were watching a Richard Donner movie or not. And I kind of see what people are saying. I mean, that is, that's true to a certain degree, but you just look at the titles that all four, you know, lethal weapon movies, which started out as sort of Shane black sort of darkness was in that very first one. He wrote that script. They really didn't putz with it very much, but they, as they went on, they became more and more these sort of zany madcap, almost satires of eighties action movies that were all about family and connection. And they, you notice they, they were like a rolling stone that kept gathering different actors that kept continuing through to the end. That was very much his sense of family. By the time the last lethal weapon movie, you know, the final credits were going on lethal weapon four, the credits show everyone who worked on the movie, literally everybody visually is featured. Um, until you get this last shot with the entire crew, like sitting on risers, holding hands and waving, to uh, why can't we be friends? I believe is the song that's playing at the end of that. <laughs> at the end of that, anyway, the Lethal Weapon movies. No offense to Richard, but they get worse as they go. Partly because of that, they get looser, more fun. You get less involved in what's happening because it's all just sort of a send up. But I think that sums him up pretty well. Superman, The Goonies, Scrooged, um, Inside Moves. What else? Timeline, Maverick, um, Assassins, Conspiracy Theory. That's a pretty entertaining film. Um, you know, they are. They're they're big Hollywood entertainments, but they're, you know, even Timeline came around. Like, he did those with old, weird, prismatic lighting, optical effects. Like, he really, he did all these big movies with no special effects in them. Even Superman was all, like tennis balls on fire being shot in super slow motion and stuff like that. They're very, you know, and, and Christopher Reeve really was up on these wires and then they make the wires disappear, but he paid very close attention to his craft, but never really gave into the artifice of film, even as he got older and certainly had the budgets and the power to do that. And he's just a cool guy that people really loved people who worked with him, worked with him again and again and again you know, the, the Salkinds who produced the Superman movies don't love him, but Warner Brothers loved him, obviously produced like all of his films, but a couple of them there. Um, and he was cool. And what can you say about the Goonies? And the, it's like, you know, that he was a big part of that. You think if Spielberg would have shot the Goonies, like it would have been pretty much the same. But you watch him interact with those people or watch the kids in that cast, like interact with him today. There's this, or, you know, last year or whenever the last time they all got together, they get together from time to time. You can just tell that the relationship there is really special. I saw something about um, one of the people involved with the Goonies, and um, I can't remember who it was, but they tweeted, we lost the original Goonie. (laughs) There you go. You know, and I think that's, so heartwarming and just reflects who he was to the people that he worked with and yeah 
he was a super high energy, boss you around, yell at everybody sort of old school director without doubt. But if you're a good person, that just outs in the course of your experience with other people. And that's what these kids all got. There's the great story about how they were all forbidden from seeing the the pirate ship set until it was, it was the day of shooting. And every single one of them, but one of them, uh, I think only... Sean Astin did not go in it like did as he was told because he didn't want to get in trouble every every all the rest of those kids all got a peek at the pirate ship beforehand and there's a moment in the commentary on the DVD where they're all saying oh yeah I looked at it did you look at it yeah yeah I did and there's only the one kid saying and you could just you can feel him shaking his head and stuff in that scene like it's you guys you know yell at one of you <laughs> and you all cry tell you not to do something and you all do it. It's just, it's very, it's really <laughs> funny. It's not parental. It's something else, but I, I love mm-hmm. that. The Goonies stories are the best. Now is a good time. The Goonies is, you know, it's this big summer movie and now is a good time to revisit that and revisit those little extras and stuff, whatever's offered streaming or wherever on your shelf. That stuff's it's great stuff. You really get a sense of him or listen to Margot Kidder talk about him from Superman she loves him she just loves that guy yeah and that you can just feel that like through the screen it's really really cool yep richard donner you will be missed um so um okay so we want to talk more about all those films at some point i mean there's no yeah at some point you know so many of those will appear on on list shows that we do yes shauna yes i want to be a part of the goonies one (laughs) do you You won't be alone okay. there. Okay. Goonies. I'm the first one to say it. So Goonies deep dive. Shauna was sorry. first in line. Well, you know, yeah. Next time we, you know, yeah. May, maybe uh, next time we do a, a big giant massive, uh, uh, you know, free for all. Like maybe our, our next anniversary show. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk Goonies. There won't other... be a Richard Donner show because there'll be Superman shows and Goonies shows. And there might even be a Lethal Weapon show. Although I, mm-hmm. that you know really starts. There, there won't be a there, there probably might be. Won't be a lethal weapon. You don't know that there might be. But maybe a good idea is <laughs> kids shows that rocked your world, like you remember. Goonies, I was in Michigan. I remember yeah. where I went to go see it. I remember who I was with. I remember how much I related to it. I think that would be kind of a fun show. When I was a kid, when I was 13, I guess, when that came out, or about to turn 13. Um I just, I remember just wanting to be a part of that, desperately wanting to make a movie like that. I didn't really look at it as like I wanted to be a Goonie. I sort of recognized the artifice of it, but just desperately wanted to be part of something that was that fun and that that spread the Mm -hmm. fun like that did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, That longing, that's what I remember walking out of the theater on a rainy day, just like in Astoria, Oregon, where the story takes place. It was very... I um Very that potent. movie was that was that movie was one in the you know in the early days of HBO and and cable that 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 movie would get played a lot uh, I'm remembering I think on HBO yeah um, not early days yeah. of HBO or not the halcyon early days but definitely got yeah, played a lot but, no question yeah 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 so um okay well Richard Donner uh we miss you thank you for all of the amazing uh the amazing films that yeah, for uh, real that you contributed to the cinematic world.
Um, okay, so now on to uh, now on to the main course, which uh, the movie club main course. Uh, I was calling that. So the idea behind this one um, was uh, who came up with this one? Was this you, Shauna, that you came up with uh, movies that are kind of difficult? That, no, that I, came, are I came up to... with that based on her wanting to talk about her movie. I was yeah. like, what can we oh, stick okay. with that? Okay. Yes. That. So. But same. Uh, it kind of goes with Shauna inspired. Kind of goes with, with the double idea. feature theme that you know we were talking about double features last week on the show with uh, with Rob. You know, pairing. How do you pair up some films? Yeah. So this was kind of a triple feature. Uh, I don't even think they go very well together. The 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 first two are from the same year, so they kind of are congruous together, but they're totally mm-hmm. different kinds of stories. The the point is, why let any sort of strict doctrine of connectivity get in the way of talking about three awesome movies that's basically where i landed on this in the end right right (laughs) well and you know and the idea was that we kind of wanted to choose some films that that uh that can somewhat can be challenging to watch this was the the first movie they all to one degree or another all different different ways but they all challenge the viewer in Mm -hmm. a way that you know modern populist entertainment don't so that's true of all of them for sure great um, all right. So uh, one thing that we haven't had for previous movie club shows is uh, a little uh, a little stinger this week. Oh, yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> the first rule of movie club is you talk about movie club. The second rule of movie club is you talk about movie club. Thank you, Brad Pitt. Yeah, thanks. Thank man. you. We appreciate it. How do we get we him to do that? Uh, you know, I had to, I had, you know, it was one of those things where I had to call in a favor. It's like, I probably could should have saved it for like charity or something. Um, but you know, Brad, Brad's a good guy. You know, usually if you, uh, you know, he, you know, if you ask him nicely, he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll usually record something for you. So we thank you. We thank you, Brad. Very cool. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule of being ungodly handsome to record that for us. Um, all right. So uh, the movies that we were going to talk about. So we're going to um, uh, I'll give you the three titles that we're going to talk about today, uh, dear listener. And um, the first one is uh, the uh, it was a, the movie was chosen by Ryan uh, from 2013. It is Prisoners. The second movie that we're going to talk about is also from 2013, and that is uh, Nebraska. And the final movie is 19, was that 90? 96. 96. 95. 95 is, uh, yeah, 95 is Dead Man Walking. Um, So three films uh, that have, uh, you know, Prisoners and uh, Dead Man Walking especially have um, subject matter that is uh, incredibly challenging. Um, Nebraska is um, a movie that uh, I I find I think it's a delightful movie. We'll get to it when we when we talk about it. But it's it, it also to me is a challenging movie to uh, to to view. Um, but let's talk about Prisoners first. This one was uh, this one was Ryan's uh, choice for Shauna and I to watch. Well, just um, I'm interested. I'm I have a lot to say about Prisoners, as you can imagine. But I'm yeah. interested in your impressions. I I assigned you guys to watch it. And neither of you had seen it, you know, and Correct. I know that it's, it's a, it's sort of a mean movie to make your friends watch, especially your friends that are parents watch. Like <laughs> I, I knew all that going in, but I figured 
I figured it, it's good. It's really, really good. In the end, they'll be glad they watched it because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm wrong about that. What did you? What was your Shana? What did it? you think of Prisoners? There was there was a fantastic uh, little th- uh, on our text thread uh, when we were talking about it, that. Sean is just like, oh my god! I just got to the part <laughs> where uh, where Jake Gyllenhaal is at the uh, the finds the, the basement uh, the, with no stairs. The basement said. with no stairs. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And Ryan just wrote, yeah. "I have nothing to say at this time." You're at. I can't even inject but it anything was, in the middle of the movie. Yeah, it like was. A, it was a really wonderful Shauna moment. I. I loved. I loved that you sent that very much. <laughs> this movie um, is intense. <laughs> yeah. How have I never seen this? This is crazy. It's directed by uh, a French or French Canadian friend, Denis. What's it say? His last name, Joel. You're Villeneuve. 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 Yeah. He's to me. He's the best guy making movies right now, and this this movie snuck in in between. Uh, doesn't really matter, but it it came out right before Arrival, I guess, and right after uh, the other movie he did with Jake Gyllenhaal, which is another challenging movie to watch that I didn't make you guys watch. So don't say I don't do anything for you. <laughs> What's it called? For uh, Ryan, sorry. I can picture it. It is. Um, I'm finding it right now. Night. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, well, let's see. Which one? Uh, the, there's Arrival, Sicario, Enemy. Enemy. Uh, yeah. Enemy came right before Prisoners, right? Yeah. Enemy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Prisoners enemy. and Enemy came out at the same year. Sicario is a challenging movie, too. I mean, he just, he really. You know, even his big, big budget movie, the Blade Runner sequel, was a challenging movie. Now he's he's got the first part of a, what he hopes is a Dune series coming out in September. You know, we talked about those because we're because I'm big into science fiction. We talk about those all the time about it being excited to see them. Or how did they make a Blade Runner sequel, and how could it? It's just shocking how good it is, and yet. Not exactly what people wanted. How could it have been? Those are the pitfalls of making a mm-hmm. sequel to a classic. But, but Prisoners to me is kind of perfect. Perfectly encapsulates what he's really, really good at, which is it's he creates this scenario, and we we try to we're gonna try not to spoil these three movies or all the big moments in them anyway, like we did our time travel movies last week, where we or two weeks ago, where we just told you everything that happened completely we're going to try not to do that but it the and to even talk about the inciting incident in the movie is a bit of a spoiler because the movie is very clever about the way it builds up to it and how you how it puts you through it the way the characters have to go through it which is really the magic of this film but it's about these two neighbor families who get together on thanksgiving and during the course of their Thanksgiving festivities, their two young daughters who are friends are abducted. And everything that follows after that, the the parents are just real quick mm-hmm. and then I'll get back to letting you have your reaction. But the parents are played by uh, uh, Terrence Howard and Hugh Jackman and um, uh, Viola Maria Davis. Bello and Viola Davis. Yeah. Viola Davis. And I can't remember the other woman's name. Maria Bello. Yeah, Maria Bello. So really good group of actors there, first off, um, who really put you through what they're going through. The hotshot cop assigned to the case is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. He's great in it. And uh, suspect number one, I think it's not a huge spoiler to say, is Paul Dano. And if you need somebody to play an extreme anything, Paul Dano's always 
rock solid mm-hmm. choice because he will he will go to the edge for you every time. Um, but abduction, child abduction, the emptiness of your life and the helplessness of that. I mean, that's really what the bulk of the film focuses on. There's some deeper themes in it for sure, but but making you feel that is what I think it's really, really good at that. The scene where suddenly they're just not, cause there's no big abduction scene. It suddenly either your mm-hmm. kids were playing and they went back to the house to get something. And now they are gone. They are gone and you don't know where they are. And, and you don't even know how to react to that at first. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride. I want, I want to hear Shauna's thoughts if, if you wouldn't mind going first. Yes. Yeah. There, uh, yes. So I have a few things to say, of course. Um, uh, first of all, it was really interesting to me to see Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal in that combination. I thought it worked beautifully. It was, I don't, for whatever reason, it surprised me, and I, I just, it, I really enjoyed it. They're uh, top-notch and- guys, and Jillian Hall, he's pretty diverse cat, but Jackman is really playing against type in this film. Jackman is, and, and Jake Jillian Hall, I just his tics and mannerisms. Mm-hmm. I read a little bit about that, and I, I don't know how he did that. How you can have a tick that comes off so uncontrolled by somebody who doesn't have that tick without thinking about it while he's saying his lines and all of that. I mean, watching his performance in this was for me very enjoyable. I, I just was amazed. Yeah. I, um, he's fantastic in it. I agree. Yes. And then Paul Dano, I mean, he is the biggest creep in movie world ever he just plays a creepy guy so well so well um they bring in about halfway through the movie i'm not going to spoil the context of this but they bring in the other most creepy guy in the planet just just because why not let's just go full-on creep played by a friend of a friend of ours david uh you again you'll have to say his last name for me joel sorry david uh, 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 where are you? Uh, uh, it's uh, Dust Malkin. Dust Malkin. Sorry, David, if we're getting that wrong. We're huge fans of yours. But yeah, he, he plays the guy with the with with the snakes. I guess we'll say without spoiling oh. too much. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah yeah Dust, yeah he, uh, David yeah he Dust has Malkin, this moment yeah. where he's obviously office rocker insane, but he. Jake comes to the door and has this sort of normal conversation with him. And he does this great job. I always talk about how I love actors trying not to show you something. This dude's insanity is coming out of every pore. Literally, you can feel it as soon as you see him. Mm -hmm. And yet he's just desperately trying to act normal. And he has this sort of (coughs) kind of hiccup giggle that he does halfway through it where the craziness just comes out. And Dano's a little different. He's... Well, what Paul what Dano, what, well, th- what's great about Paul Dano um, is he is um, he under I, I believe he's a guy who understands that he has uh, essentially a baby face. Uh, you know, he has such this this round, you know, youthful look. He's going to be 70 years old. and He's still going to look like a kid. Right. Um, and 
And yet he is also an actor willing to go to uh, these very dark, disturbing places um, uh, and, and, and just comfortably live there. And, and, you know, so as an actor being able to do that and let that come out and having it in that package um, is really, uh, is, is really fun. It makes it, it, some, you know, it, it, no matter what, no matter where he's playing, you know, whether, you know, even in something like Swiss army man, you know, it's, you know, he, it's, it, it has to do with his understanding of, of who, of, of what his appearance, uh, uh, just what his looks, what that conveys on, uh, you know, through a lens and then manipulating that to, to, to kind of subvert what you, you know, what your initial, you know, emotional reaction might be. Cause he's not like this super handsome guy, but he's certainly not ugly. Right. He's just, he has the look of an innocent, uh, of very earnest. He, that there's just something about his countenance about how, how what he looks like is very earnest. And, but rightly or wrongly, so he, Hugh Jackman's character gets it in his head that this is the guy who did it. Or if he didn't, did he knows yeah. something, you know, he's a creepy guy who drives around town in an old, blacked out Winnebago that they saw on their street that day. He listens to the creepiest 70s song, I think, of all time, Put Your Hand in the Hand of the Man by the Oceans, which I always thought was creepy, but it's this innocent, wonderful Jesus movement song from mm -hmm. 1971 that's always playing on his old 8-track player or whatever, just like on a loop. And I it's, think it's really interesting that, um, like, if you look at him in There Will Be Blood, mm -hmm. And he plays twins. Right. That one is a very simple brother. A very understated Army. performance, too, as very that part. So. Yep, yep. And then his twin is a crazy evangelical minister. But they're both, you know, believable on the surface in the way that he presents it. Right. And it's the same with this on the surface. He's playing this guy that it to everybody that's been watching the movie, I would assume he had done it, but it's he a, it's played, a it's a fair assumption. I mean, it's the most logical assumption, right? But he plays well, and and not only that you saw him in the Winnebago, and then you see him later, yeah. you know, as the police are going after him, um, but then he also is supposed to be this guy that you know probably has um, a mental disability and everybody, you know, I think, is it his aunt that, oh, he, you know, he couldn't do this. He's, you know, right. he, he wouldn't have the wherewithal to pull this off. And right. he probably can't even understand what you're asking him in right. the way that you think he, he might when you're talking to him, he just doesn't. He doesn't understand the severity. Nevertheless, and to me, this is the heart of the film. Jackman's a survivalist. We see him interacting with his son before the incident. He's, he teaches him shooting and how to change tires. And he's that kind of dad who's just very hands-on. He's, he's preparing his son to be this strong, independent dude that he is. He probably, well, we learn a little bit about what his past is, but he gets it in his head that this is the guy who did it. Like I said, it's a reasonable thing for him to believe that, I think. We all agree with that. Well, exactly. Especially but it's the way he comes after him. It's the way he takes the law into his own hands. 
but and that thing, I think is perfectly relatable. Maybe not. Maybe I'm more Terrence Howard than I'm Hugh Jackman in this movie. But at the same time, that that idea that what, if I'm not doing something to help find my daughter, then what am I? I'm nothing. And he's just spurned and compelled into action, and his actions are extreme. And that's where you're. That's where you can sympathize, and yet you also kind of. You also sit in judgment of that one way or another. The movie forces you to make a decision about whether any of that's right or wrong. And they're hard questions that that film is asking you. The interesting thing, though, for me with Dano's uh, character is when they're outside the police station when he gets released Mm -hmm. and he whispers to Hugh Jackman. And nobody else hears it except for Hugh Jackman and the audience. And all of a sudden you're just like, whoa right i mean that was a big moment it was so quick and quiet yeah but it then like as an audience member all of a sudden okay well and- because the movie's playing that trick on us right Hall's trying to talk him out of trying to talk him off the edge and he pretty much succeeds at it getting him to back off and then this right you know right when it needs to happen to ramp things up instead of calm things down that moment happens i agree with you that's kind of and the I moment on which the it's movie turns essential it's yeah. essential because i feel like <laughs> that's where it really brings in the intensity i mean yeah. it's intense the whole time but this all of a sudden you're like oh my god he just said that and then as uh terrence howard and hugh jackman's characters you know bring this like you said kind of vigilante type stuff but in the back, you know, you're like, is he crazy? He's crazy. He's bringing this so crazy. But in the back of your head, you're like, I heard him whisper yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard what he said. Am I crazy? You know, I mean, I think that how they built the suspense in this and uh, how intense it was. I, like when I sent you guys the message, I'm like, what is this? Oh, my God. Well, and, the, and the basement with no stairs and the, the, the there's it's this stuff that is connected or how is it connected? We're not really sure. There's this right. whole other mm-hmm. investigation sort of happening on the side that is extremely atmospheric and creepy, like in the very best way, like in the like in a Silence of the Lambs kind of way. Mm-hmm. It really is sort of worthy of that. And, you know, most movies, it's probably connected somehow. But how? Your brain, I pretty much, no matter who you are, it's when you strain to figure it out, it, it's tricky. You can't kind of. You're just strung along by it. And, you know, we won't talk about, we've we've ta- kind of revealed almost too much about this. We won't talk about anything kind of that happens in the big build up to the big ending, which is extraordinary. But I just tell you, even that, even when the thing has resolved itself, it leaves you with so many questions and so many frustrations and it just I found it to be extremely powerful film that way for what was essentially just a, a, a standard mystery suspense thriller, which is really all it is in the end. Mm-hmm. I do have to say with the ending, and I'm not going to give it away. There's a lot to talk about with that, so it's hard to do a show about it without wanting to talk about it. But yeah, don't give it away. Right. But just from a perspective of what my perspective is of the, the film, mm-hmm. um. I didn't like the ending yeah. and the reason I didn't like the ending is I'm really hard of hearing uh, and I didn't hear what happened in the ending. I see. 
So mm. I had to play it over and over again, louder and louder. To and figure I figure it out. I just, no, I couldn't hear it at all. I don't know if it's the tone. I can't hear. I had to go on the internet and look up what the read heck what just happened. happened. What was, what is that? What is going on there? What the hell yeah. just happened? Because all of a sudden the movie's just done. Well, there's an audio cue that and um, in your defense, although you're right, there's an audio cue that helps you just like there's an audio cue at the end of Inception. We sort of talked about that. That does reveal something to you. But it you're whether you hear that or not, because I can promise you it, it, it you don't have to be hard of hearing to not hear it. It is deliberately difficult to decipher because it, it requires the audience. Again, this is another way the movie challenges. It requires the audience to think something about the ending one way or another to figure out that answer on yourself. It does that very, very deliberately. Um, there's an answer. I, I don't think it's up for debate necessarily, but yeah. the, he still sort of leaves it in this place where you, what you bring to it is what is going to happen there. Right. Some degree. I, I, I understand and respect that, but when you can't hear it at all, <laughs> right. it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this does not make any sense at all. Right. Like, yep. I just, I, I don't know. So anyway, it is interesting. It was a very interesting film, extremely intense. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard R movie. Uh, it's got torture in it of all every kind. Yeah, apparently, it every was, kind apparently of metaphorical was, and and actual torture you can imagine is in it. It's a yeah. It's apparently, a tough film. and when it was released in 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 when uh, the the festival version of it was an NC was getting an NC seventeen rating, and they yeah, had they, to go they, back and do they it had later. to trim little bits and pieces out of the hammer sequence to get it down. Well, well I can imagine if it was any worse than mm -hmm. what they. I mean, more than what they showed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they I did think. it all day long, and then in the final take of the final sort of ramp up, they uh, Denny came up to Hugh and said, "He goes, this last time, I want you to do it absolutely with absolute one hundred percent ferocity," which he did, and that's what's in the film, and mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. It does make it's you amazing. gasp. It's just really something. You know what? I want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's a sign of a good movie. I don't think Joel likes um, the movie, which is why he had you. Go no, I, I, no, I did, I did not. You like can just it. tell from his like reactions that he didn't yeah. like it yeah. at all. But so, Joel, was it hard for you to watch? Well, I mean, the the subject matter is difficult. Obviously, it's uh, you know, it's a it's it's difficult. Um, uh, you know, having a uh, a ten year old who um, and my my ten year old uh, has a has a genetic condition which makes him predisposed to to trust strangers. Right. Um, it's so that you know so yes that was incredibly difficult that was uh, difficult to watch uh, or difficult to process the 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 plot line through that. That being said, um, uh, I I just I didn't I didn't care for the movie. I, I thought that it was just red herring after red herring. Um, I, I did. I thought that Hugh Jackman um, went to the I'm yelling loudest. So that must mean that what I'm saying is important. Yeah, um, I think that's the, the director's vision for the character as much as anything. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I, I get that. Uh, I thought, but, but that, you're not uh, wrong. That is, that is yeah, what it is. Um, you know, Terrence Howard and Viola Davis are criminally underused. I think Howard uh, has his moment, but I think both the wives are. are both the wives. Well, yeah, I mean, given just, the caliber of the performers that they have, they're, they're, yeah. 
from a script standpoint, it, they're not utilized very well. I would agree. I but I, I gotta, I gotta say, and and this is this has nothing to do with the fact that Loki right now is in, you know, is in the zeitgeist because of the Disney series and the whole Marvel universe, etc. But take all of that away. Mm-hmm. You name your your detective. You name your this. You name a character Loki. Right. That in itself is a giant. You know, you're you're. Okay, Loki's the trickster god. What you know? So what? What am I seeing here? What? what you know? You're just waiting. You're Loki just was waiting the final for, Norse it, god to take on the job of protecting this child from a titan that wanted to kill him after his father and brother had given up. That's the parallel between the story. That's why his name ended up in there. Doesn't sure. It's, it's an it's a Norse god thing and not a. a Marvel thing, obviously, but no, I know, I, I know that. That's why I'm saying remove any knowledge of the Marvel universe and just go off the the knowledge of of the Norse well, there, god. There's a there's um, a parallel to a story that Loki goes through that the, the character is going through literally the same thing, and this, yeah, that's why it, he's um, named that. It's a weird name, uh, even when I started watching it. But are we still talking about prisoners? Is there a link between Loki and prisoners? I'm lost. Yeah, so. his the character's name is yeah, Detective Hall's Loki. Name oh, is, de- is yes, yes, Detective yes. Loki. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, if, if you're gonna go, yeah. So um, yeah, I I, I hated um, I hated, but uh, I think Killer absent Dover as a person, I think absent the Marvel universe, that name is not a problem at all in that story. So yeah, po- I can't possibly. really I mean, set it aside I also, like Joel's saying. But yeah, I hear what I also, you're saying. You know, on the I nuts have, you know, is yeah, what it is. It's on the nuts. Um little much uh but even but that story that loki story if if re, again regardless of if you know if if there is a whole marvel universe take the marvel universe loki is the trickster god that story of loki defending this child you know blah 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 that is that is a lesser known uh part of loki's uh uh you know i don't norse think so mythology. i don't think if you study norse mythology it is I think to an average person, maybe it is, but I think again, absent Marvel to the average person, Loki has no meaning to most folks, which is why I think when this was written, it probably wasn't innocent enough thing. Um, I I, certainly uh, not a deal breaker in any case, but. And then uh, my biggest problem that I, the biggest problem that I have uh, with the film and this uh, could, could just be me. um, I look at, Hugh Jackman's um, uh, not, I, I should I shouldn't say Hugh Jackman's, but his character Keller Dover's. Mm-hmm. Um, when Keller Dover, it, it, when Jake Gyllenhaal tells Keller Dover, you know, ease off, go home, get away, he gets mad, but he does it. Yes. When a simpleton, uh, a person who is uh, uh, cognitively disabled, uh, someone who is not, quote-unquote, normal. Hugh Jackman has no problem uh, assaulting and taking advantage of this er, er, and and getting this guy and saying, you know, I'm going to, you know, and uh, uh, asserting his... Uh, his manliness, his survivalist things against someone who he perceives as a lesser person, and 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 I don't, I don't, 
feel that it's just, well, this is a father doing what he has to, he's doing what he has to do. It is a bully picking on someone who he knows is weaker. Right. That is absolutely a part of it. I agree with you. And, and that enraged me that we are supposed to, that we're supposed to just be, Oh, you know, but he's a dad and he's just trying to get the answers. I don't think he's he's the hero of the story, man. I think, I think I really, no, I I think you are supposed to recognize that in him and because he's a bully before he even starts picking on this character. We, we see that right off the top. He is, he's certainly, he's certainly, um, one of the main protagonists. Yeah, but again, you uh, and 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 I and it really, you know, we're again. But, so, I don't disagree so with then, anything you, you're saying. I think that's spot on analysis. I do have of a him, question, but. though. I have a question. Excuse me, Joel. And I, yeah. I appreciate what you're saying um, completely, but maybe up until Paul Dano whispers something to him. Yes, but I, you know, I, I, I wonder, and I'm, I'm just thinking. Mm-hmm. Paul Dano was in the RV, and his son, or Hugh Jackman's son, was saying, "Dad, this guy was in there. This is what happened." You know, telling him that we don't know happened. that Paul Dano was in the RV. We don't. It's true. They never show him in the RV. Okay. Okay. But we don't know that <laughs> yet. Right. That's a really challenging thing about the film. I agree. We okay. think he pretty much sure he is, but is he? We don't okay. know that. It's true. We don't know that until the cops go after him. And right. then, then they find him in the RV. It, they find him in the RV. Not only do they find him in the RV, but he drives, you know, I mean, the way he's acting. Yeah, yeah. And everything that Hugh Jackman knows from the circumstances and the RV and then the cops get him and then he does all of this. I think he's already thinking, I don't think that what you're portraying is real. Is real, right. And then when Dano is released and he whispers that to him with the person that, you know, that that Paul Dano's character has presented as being, you know, and I don't want to, I don't know how to ruin the thing, but having some knowledge to it that he he hasn't shown before. I don't want to be disrespectful to, you know, the character that he presented simple, um, not, you know, he acted like he might be a third grader in his mental awareness and everything. And that's how he's treated. But I think Hugh Jackman, from the very beginning, thinks it's an actor, it. doesn't believe it. Yes. So is he a bully? Absolutely. No Otherwise, doubt. as well. Um, and and if he had been bullying a person that did not show any of the the opposite, absolutely of you know somebody with a mental disability. I totally agree, but I think that's part of the story. And that's why I think it's so important that they had Paul Dano whisper to him and we're all like, oh my God, you know, but then the rest of the movie. But Joel's not wrong. I mean, I get Joel saying, I can't even go an inch with this guy because of what he is. 
I feel like the movie, even if you sympathize with him, you should still kind of feel the same way. We all feel differently, but this guy is marching to his own doom, whether it's literally the the end of him or whether it's just simply that his soul is whatever it's going to be gone at the end of this exercise that he's being put through and yet you, you take away the person's child and it's like this is the this is what this guy has in his toolbox so of course this is what he's doing and i agree with shauna that he's spurned on to do it to some degree I sympathize with him, but I don't approve of anything he does. I mean, I want to make that clear. It's sure, and I think I don't think the movie expects you to. I think it expects you to be really repelled by the abduction within the abduction story that we are all a party to. You see, Howard, he's also a parent. I mean, to me, he does come through on screen because he has that moment where, you know, he's he's. And I don't think it's out of weakness. I think he just is a moral person who can't stand this under any circumstances. The film represents that to some degree. And that that's what I liked mm -hmm. about it. That's the quandary. Where do you land here? Who, you know, even if you wouldn't do this, where are your sympathies throughout this whole thing? It's, it's tough in that way. That's where the movie, I think, is at its toughest. I agree. And I think that's the point of it is what you're bringing up, Joel, is you know, this bully and, and Ryan, what you were saying, you know, Hugh Jackman goes to crazy extremes he does. to the point where as an audience member, you only heard Paul Dano whisper that that's really the only thing that you really saw him ever show of that side. So I would be watching these extreme torture scenes and thinking, Am I crazy? Did I not hear Paul Dano do this? Because I am so repelled by this. Right. I mean, it was like an internal struggle, like uh, for me too. But I can, it, you know, Joel's a good person. I can see why you're just repelled beyond, <laughs> beyond the line of being able to be into a movie. You know, I get it. I get, yeah, get that. I, 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 it um, won't yeah, be for everybody. I mean, it's an extreme film. That was the point of it for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's, he is, uh, but I think the movie is more on your side silly. than you think. That's all I'll say on that. I yeah. really do think I, it is. I, yeah, I, it, I, I just, I felt like he was, I guess I felt watching it. Like, I'm like, I, I felt like we were supposed to like be rooting for him. Um, and I'm like, this is, this I, is I wasn't, I mean, I wanted him to find um, his daughter, you know, that's where it's, that's where it's complicated. Mm -hmm. You get where the motivation comes from, but. I, I also I will also say um, I I did not like the ending as well. Uh, I didn't like it for different reasons. Um, we'll talk about that I, when I the curtain comes I, down. Yeah. We really can't uh, ruin the ending, or there's no point yeah. for anyone to even see this. So yeah, because um, yeah, do I mean I think that, but aside from my personal feelings towards the movie, it's executed wonderfully. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's moody, it's dark, it's it's got these the use of of um, of of frankly of weather, I guess, for lack of a better term. No, I agree. Uh, it, the atmosphere that that all of these that all of these things create. Um, to me, there's a, there's a there's a radio. 
at the beginning, there's a radio broadcast where they're talking. The radio's on briefly uh, at the very top of the movie when Hugh Jackman and uh, and his son are in the car. Uh, uh, that's talking about the the weather forecast and stuff like that. And it clicks up, and you know, and I and I, and I you know, you, you kind of clock what they're saying. There's a scene later on with Jake Gyllenhaal uh, driving at a high rate of speed, and given everything that has happened in this movie. I'm just that that to me was the most nerve wracking part, knowing because of the weather. Right. And I'm like and then I and I realized, oh, that that was awesome. That was great. That feeling uh, and the reason the understanding after the fact that the reason why I was so into that moment was because of this little weather blurb early on in the film mm-hmm. i'm like oh that was great i love that that was awesome thank you for that yeah um but yeah i mean it's got you know it's got roger deakins shooting the thing it was beautifully shot the you know just um, the the just the establishing shots the dam and the factory the sense of a very mm-hmm. real place oh was, that damn shot that that shot coming over with it oh yeah you know coming over, over the people river don't, and, uh, yeah over. first units don't shoot their own establishing shots that's really really unusual uh you know uh, and uh Denis didn't necessarily either but he had deacons at his disposal and they really wanted those things to not be things mm-hmm. that were taken for granted in the film they wanted to go back to this other way of if we're going to spend 6 seconds showing you something it's got to be more than just we're here now it's got to have yeah. a sense of the dread of the thing and the meaning of the thing. And I, that shot stands out to me, but there's a, a bunch of those in the movie that are really, there's really a good. bunch of shots. Yeah. From, from, yeah. From a, a lot of the, a lot of the nighttime shit. Yeah. The use of, again, the use of there's a nighttime, there's a nighttime uh, 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 scene that happens over the course of several yards, people's yards mm-hmm. and the use of essentially uh automatic uh sensor lights <laughs> that go off when when you go i'm like oh that was great that was really you know that was that's a wonderfully conceived uh wonder you know so so i you know yeah so my personal feelings aside it's a well executed it's yeah, a you well can, you could admire uh, it without being able yeah. to really enjoy it on any sort of normal level yeah so I so you know so i don't want yeah i don't want people taking away that i think that this is a movie not uh, worth ever being made. It, it's it just tests I you and you, like it. you, yeah. it tests you and you just, you bailed at a point where I think it's perfectly legitimate for a normal person mm-hmm. to just say enough of this. I can't stand this. It, I, I um, really do think that's part of the point of it. It, it doesn't expect everybody to get through that stuff, but I mm-hmm. do think that guy's a bully. The film shows us that before any inciting incident in his life has occurred. It shows it in a subtle way, at least at that point, but you get that sense that he, you know, he is, he is ready to be unlaunched into something. Should anything extreme happen when the end of the Mm -hmm. world comes, he's ready to kill. It's clear. I just liked him before the kids even were taken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There is that. Yeah. He was, he's a very, um, yeah, he's a very, uh, Super I think manly. I, well, let me put let me put it this way, dude. Yeah, let me put it this way though. I think there are some people that saw him at the beginning of the film and really felt like that's a man. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there are and, and there are a lot of and people. So like it that. was yeah, and so that you know it's you're not uh, wrong. But um, all right, last thoughts on the prisoners before we move on. 
I think we summed it up. Anyone? That's, that's pretty okay. good. Like I said, it's it's this was challenging movies. I thought this film. I'll just say this about it since we didn't spoil anything. This film offers up relief in a few ways that made it tolerable for me to get to the end. Because sure. I have to say, if it was, if it just continued on its sort of mid second act trajectory to the end, I don't think I. I think I'd you'd have just been. I'd, I couldn't have taken it. So yeah, and and, and I get that's my invitation uh, uh, to the people listening yeah, that I, it I might also, be okay yeah, to and, watch. And to go still. back to what. What Shauna yeah. said and and what you're saying, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, performance, his character, he does, per, you know, his character is so wonderfully fleshed out that he does just by his very nature of some of the things that his, excuse me, his character does, it, it does provide this great little release of some tension. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, yeah, his character is, is he's really, um, He's really fun to watch in this. He's, he has a very non-Hollywood really relationship with his boss, too, that I really enjoyed. Very not cliche. This guy who yeah. runs the department isn't on his case or hassling him or doing any of the usual junk. He's lost. When something serious and awful happens, this sort of politician slash chief of police guy, need he has one tool with which he can turn to help him through it. And it's this guy who just mm -hmm. somehow can figure these awful unsolvable mysteries out. I liked that too, as a sort of side yep. thing that was neat about the film. It was. Yeah. It, it, again. And, and I guess, yeah, park that in the, um, the, the atmosphere uh, that, that they, that the, uh, the Denis uh, Villeneuve created for this film. So, yep. um, okay. Well, so let us, uh, let us move on to a much, uh, a not so intense uh, film, um, uh, but the movie is Nebraska, Alexander Payne's Nebraska, starring Bruce Dern and Will Forte, uh, June Squibb, who um, is Oscar nominated. Yep, I love, love June Squibb um, and uh, and Bob Odenkirk, amongst uh, amongst others. Um, Stacy Keach, he's probably uh, the other Keech. guy you need to yeah, he, say by name. Yeah. So um, yeah, Nebraska. Nebraska was my movie choice uh, I, again. Not and and it was intentional because I was the last one to choose a movie, and I um a part I, I fully I fully acknowledge that part of me was like I I I'm not going to subject everybody to another. You had you had quite movie. a list actually of ones that I you know I only knew about half yeah. of them, but I knew they were. <laughs> they they would have been yeah they would have been and 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 yeah and right rightfully ryan was like are you sure that maybe with it and i'm like oh, what about nebraska what about nebraska because uh, nebraska essentially is dealing with um a, uh essentially what happens when your parents grow old um when when you're when uh you're watching you know your own you you, you know you're your own life kind of is you feel maybe like you're, you're spinning wheels and your parents are um, getting elderly. And in this case, uh, Bruce Dern plays um, a guy who, uh, well, we come to find out that he, he hasn't always had the strongest relationship with reality, but, um, but it's certainly in his older age, you know, we meet, we meet Bruce Dern um, walking along the highway the fantastic uh, you know, it, open, long opening shot of him walking mm -hmm. up a what looks like some sort of entrance ramp kind of 
to yeah, to he's a, literally walking to an interstate of some kind, Montana, and it's the slow and, yeah. approach of this police vehicle behind him. That how are you doing? Yeah, do you like, know hey, where you are? Where you're going? He he points. Where where yeah. where do you live? And he points back behind points him. Back, yeah. Wordless performance by him. It's genius opening. Um. Yeah, and uh, all so in black it, and white. It, it's black and white scope. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, and then I'll let you continue. I'm sorry, but Alexander Payne mm-hmm. wanted to sh- make this movie for a long time. Wanted to make it in black and white. Nobody'd let him make it in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had to wait. He had to wait until after he made uh, Decemberist, uh, because that was such a big hit yeah. and so acclaimed that it gave him the clout to basically do whatever he wanted on his next film. And this yeah. was this was your here you go, son. Here, make whatever you want. Um, it's always yeah, very after, telling to me because accomplished directors, if they're lucky, at a couple points during their career, but at least at one point, they hit that place where they're on top of the world and they're let to do whatever they want. And Alexander Payne, whatever he does in the future, this was his moment and this is his film. And I think it says a lot about him that this is what he did. Yeah, he said, you know, yeah, he had that. He had Sideways uh, and that was this big critical uh, and awards, uh, darling. And yep. then, uh, then, um, descendants, uh, descendants, wait, yep. descendants? Yep, yeah, descendants um, you know, was a, was a, you know, a, a, a solid critical and box office, um, you know, it, success. And so, yeah, you're right. It sort of all hit at the same time as the awards were coming in for, for sideways. He, you know, he gets to release this other film that does really well and it's really popular. And yeah. And so then he turns around and, is able to make, make the way this he wanted. He, they still film, test yeah. audienced it before they would let him do it in black and white. Like they had a big mm-hmm. deal. Uh, it's like, just let every but, once in uh, a while, just but, let the, it's not like he wrote some impenetrable mystery of a script. Let him just do it. Right, well, of course he didn't he, write you know, the script yeah, this is, at all. This, this is one of the few ones script. that, yeah, few movies that he's made that he didn't write. Um, and uh, other than, you know, a couple couple tweaks here and there, apparently. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, the idea is, is you, you have um, uh, Bruce Dern is a, is an uh, older man who believes he uh, he has to get to Lincoln, Nebraska. To we can say why, too. I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah, he believes he's won the lottery because of one of those yeah. publisher things he's gotten in the mail that says he may mm-hmm. have. He just as as and, the, the prophetic line. He, he just believes the things that people tell him <laughs> is what his son yeah. says about him. And he gets single-minded about getting his million dollars in a way where he cannot be stopped. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's a, uh, yeah, he's kind of a, he, he's uh, pretty angry in his old age. He is, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's frustrated. He's a guy who, um, you know, has always kind of given in to drink um, not, not really there. And, um, and Will Forte and Bob Odenkirk, uh, play his sons, but Will Forte is, uh, sort of the main, the main son. Where are they in, from? They're in Billings, this... Montana. Is that Billings, Montana. Billings, yeah. The biggest city in Montana. Um, That's not saying a lot though, but, yeah. but Odenkirk and, and... is, Odenkirk is the, I mean, it's saying something that it, it's where the local television station is. Odenkirk plays the anchor on Billings, news yeah, tonight he's a guy who's getting a shot now and yeah and he's uh yeah and and um you know will forte sort of feeling like uh you know he he take you know he's like my brother has all this other stuff on his plate my dad is is um not gonna stop till he gets this. to lincoln so yeah and so he's like well you know uh let's just take him and get it out of his system 
because they're like, you, dad, you haven't won a million dollars. You don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, I, but this says I have the paper. I have the paper. And he was like, okay, well, let's go. You know what? Let's go. It's, it's essentially calling his bluff to the, uh, you know, or like, it, you know, to, to the it most. It doesn't happen extreme. all at once. It's a several different no. picking him up at the police stations and, you know, but eventually yep. it's, and it's not the worst idea in the world. Fine, dad, let's go um, to Lincoln and get your million dollars. Like, if that's the only thing that's going to keep you from wandering out of the house at night, out onto the highway on foot in Montana yep. in the winter, then yes, let's go to Lincoln together. I'm willing to do that for you. Yep. And, and his, and, and June Squibb who plays his, his wife um, has, has just long given up. She's just like, whatever, I don't know whatever. What, you, what do you I'm want done. me to do? I can't, he does. Yeah, what, what do you he want wants. me to do? He just, I, I can't stop him. Their He's, home you know, in Montana, the, all the homes really featured in this are so wonderful in their own way. The mm -hmm. uh, June is fantastic in it. I mean, they're the kind of couple they are on screen is because they don't have a ton of screen time together. They get, thankfully, they get more at the end when you least expect them to. But it, early in the early goings, it's just a very believable family unit in a kind of wonderful mm -hmm. way. Even though it's it's a it's a pretty stylized movie. The stylization isn't stylized. much in characterization, I would say. It's it's more in the visual telling of it all, which is neat. So it's this mix of very earthy performances with very showy mm -hmm. cinematography and stuff, which I dug. I like that they don't show a ton of uh, their couple, you know, in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, because he's this guy that, keeps disappearing and trying to get to Nebraska on foot, you know, right. and they're picking him up constantly. And, and she's like, I'm done. And, you know, she's salty and crabby and I'm done with him. And if he wanted to, if he, you know, decided he wanted to be a millionaire, why couldn't he be done it earlier and worked for it? You know? <laughs> it's the stuff that you're like, wow, she's crabby, but yeah, she makes a lot of sense in the beginning. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, yeah. Everything she says seems really super well-earned. The, yeah. the two brothers never show up at the house if they're not bringing over or bringing away laundry. I found that very telling. There's no conversation about it, but you see it more than once, which shows yeah. you sort of the nature of their connection there. It's, you know, is still this very, well, going to mom, so she's going to bring all this laundry. <laughs> I don't know why I yeah. think that's funny, but it's awesome. I'm I, I'm not too I'm a little removed from that, but not too far removed from having that kind of relationship <laughs> with my own folks. So I kind of get it. I also liked how with the brothers as it went on, you know, um, and the older brother, I believe, the news anchor mm -hmm. was like, "Why do you care? Why do you care if he gets there? He was never there for us. He drank all the time." he never did anything for us you know and at first I the black and white was kind of like what the hell you know what's going on um but it drops away and it gives kind of a starkness to it that I really enjoyed mm -hmm. and um the ambiance or you know the music is very much like sideways so it kind of puts you in this depressed, like, oh, you know, 
where's the hope? Where's the future? He's going to die in a few years anyway. Why don't you just let him have this one thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then traveling, like you guys said, with the houses through Nebraska, I'm like, oh my God, this is so small town, middle America. This is where my grandparents had a farm. And, you know, all the time that I spent, I could identify with so much of just that small town, the houses, you know, people at the bar. And uh, at first it, it would, when I would kind of be watching it, I could feel myself just kind of becoming depressed. It like brought me down to this level, but then I kind of leveled out and I was like, okay, here we go. And I ended up loving this movie. I loved it. It's um, easy to love. I have to say, I mean, I really do believe that. I, I, I think in that way, it's not very challenging. I think if you have an open heart approach to watching these stories at all, this one should get under your skin. Cause it's the dumbest adventure movie of all time really you could call it a road trip movie which it is but but it's it is a template of an adventure movie and they go through these trials and tribulations and things and but what it what really happens is these these this family unit mostly it's a father and son thing but it really is the whole family in the end because of these challenges and because they've gone out their front door and hit the road to one degree or another they've taken on these new things in their lives that have brought parts of themselves out that they're not used to seeing from each other. And they truly get to know themselves this way. The father gets to know his son in a way that he wouldn't otherwise. Certainly the son learns more about his father than he had ever known or would have ever known if they hadn't done this. Like there's that aspect to it that I find super, other than just the comedic beats and, I think what you're talking about right now is the the point of this movie. Right. And that's what I enjoyed about it the most. And it wasn't even figuring out about the sons. It was figuring out about this guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes anybody. Uh, he's drank most of his life. Um, you know, he's got this wife that's crabby with him and his sons, you know, he's never done anything for us so there's this this part of him that's shown up until they get to nebraska and the younger son who brought him on the trip meets his former girlfriend mm-hmm. and his former girlfriend the editor is, of the local small town newspaper there right is that correct that they're gonna write a piece on about him being a millionaire or whatever right and the son goes in and says you know what this is all a con job. It's not real. And she starts talking about, is it Wally? What is his name? The father? Woody. 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 Yes, thank you. And she's like, yeah, you know, your mom won. She got him. He was such a nice guy. He was the nicest guy. And all of a sudden there's this version of Woody that has not been shown by anybody. You just see him as confused. You see his family reacting to him and his drinking and all of this. And all of a sudden, here comes this piece where this woman is like, he is an amazing guy. I ended up getting married and I was happy and I'm still happy and had children, but this really was my guy. But Mm. your mom won. And that's the first inkling. It's like, okay, his mom won. What's that all about? Well, it, yeah, it's a very it, small it's, town it, way looking of 
getting hooked up and getting married after school, really. Yeah. They're all Yeah, the the they're not thinking about heading off to New York or whatever to find their lives. They're they're looking around going who who amongst these people am I going to spend my life with and I I mm -hmm. got that. That was very very cool. Go ahead, but Joel. It, it yeah, offered the, you the Sorry, go ahead, Shauna. It offered you a first picture of so what's with the wife? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It gave you like a clue like okay, maybe, maybe. Well, and that just, and then I'll let you go, Joel, but that without spoiling the exact moment, but there's a moment where Woody's wife, um, she doesn't have to do this, but there's this moment where they're being come at by a lot of different factions and things. And it's her that steps up and makes the case for him sort of makes the final case for him in a, in a kind of amazing way, which is neat. Let's come to that though, Ryan, that that's, sorry, it, that's, Later, yeah. I don't want to get ahead of it because there's, there's just so much here that goes yeah. into it. Sure. Yeah, there's, I mean, one of the reasons why, I mean, it is, it's, uh, I, the movie challenges me in a wonderful way. Again, I, I, I adore this movie. Um, it is, is as a, as a, I sort of have a similar relationship in the sense that, you know, I think I know my, my parents. And then, um, you know, now as I'm an adult here, I'm still finding out all of these things that no one ever, you know, they certainly never talked about, none of their friends, you know, and you like these little nuggets of who they were in the before times, you know, in their youth and their, you know, uh, when they were in their, you know, teens and 20s and stuff. And it's like, you just sort of like, it's that, it's that it's that you know the the lenses of how you view your your parents just keep keep changing and and you know and and we're, and it uh how it's like you see will forte you know, with will forte uh, uh, just just going you know that that the lens by which he has viewed his dad his entire life just keeps getting altered and altered and sometimes altered for man, I had no idea. That's really, that's, that's amazing. And other times it's like, I had no idea what a dick. Um, right. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's these, it's that constant, it's, it's, and, and I think, uh, you know, when I first saw this movie, you know, years ago, uh, I, you know, it, it was, I really connected to that um, as a, as a, how I view my relationship with my parents. I didn't know that my, I didn't know that my mother was married to someone else before my dad until I was in my thirties. Wow. When I stumbled across my mom and dad's marriage certificate and my mom's maiden, you know, the name of my mom's name was not her maiden name. And I'm like, what is this? And she goes, Oh, you know about Marlon. And I was like, I, I so do not. I do not know about Marlon. And so it's like, oh, yeah, I was married to Marlon. And she had told me this whole story as if I should know it. And, Sorry, um, Mom, and did it I was miss that family dinner that you told everybody. Yeah. And, and so then I went to my I went to my well and the, and, and I put some of this on me, too, as a pretty self-absorbed person, especially. I mean, I still sort of am. But, I, you know, in my youth, especially I was. But like I went to my brother and I'm like. Did you know mom was married before before then? He's like, yeah, Marlon. Yeah, he died. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord. What? what? Wow. So, so it's that it's that lens by which we that that's you know. So that's one of the reasons why I I really um, 
connect to this movie. I really uh, get really, um, yeah, I get, you know, I, we keep using the word, I keep using the word challenged by it, but it is, it's, it's this, it really makes me uh, really think about my the, the I think about my parents mortality I'm fortunate right now that I still have both of my parents are alive and and but I know that's not always going to be the case and I know that I'm going to be facing that sooner rather than later and uh so it's you know that that's that's what and that was one of the reasons why this movie jumped into my my brain when we were talking about this uh talking about this show so the reason I I like this so much is that it's not necessarily challenging to the viewer necessarily. It's challenging to the characters. You can see that they're being challenged by all of this and you, you go along with them. Um, but I just love that it was, it's, it's um, Dern's character and it's, it's not just a son or the sons, it's also his wife. It's also family members. It's also, you know, the jerk that stole the air compressor. All of this. <laughs> right, borrowed the air compressor and never gave it back. Right. Mm -hmm. That's and a that's the middle act of the movie, which we, we talked about the newspaper article, which is important, but that, you know, they're driving by his old hometown and hey dad why don't we stop in and see your brother and you know we haven't been here in a long time and he's just mm -hmm. why you know he's like doesn't get it he doesn't understand the novelty of that at all but of course he shows up uh rance howard the great uh rance howard plays his brother that you can tell that they're brothers there's you know okay. it's really right what, what, yeah, what is what that... is what is what is his sister-in-law say no, you you strode brothers or whatever sure are men of little words or whatever you know yeah uh but you know he his nephews those two guys they're, they're hilarious in it uh the the town neighbor who you know I don't know his we don't learn much about him but it, we don't need to Stacy Keats shows up and we know exactly who this guy is uh he's not a bully in the sense that Hugh Jackman in Prisoners is a bully he but he's this. He's this just—he's a bully. He is a bully, but it's—it's it's, it, but in a different way. He has a certain amount of charm, and he sort of oh, charms sure. his mm -hmm. way to it's into people. Slimier. He's yeah, a, exactly. He's, he's a bully in the sense that he's always been, uh, you know, king of the mountain, right? Of right. this exactly. small, this small little mountain, and remains so of the small little mountain. Yeah. And it is the guy whose same jokes you have to listen to every time he comes to the bar. You know, all that stuff. I'm just saying that's. We, we've talked about a certain kind of bully. I want to make mm -hmm. sure this dude isn't confused. With yeah, that. it's a, it. Yeah, he's not a beat up kind of guy. It's the I'm going to remind you that I once threw a touchdown in this game. Right, and uh, I'm never you know, ever going to accomplish anything else. But I'm going to keep reminding you of that for for forever. Because because in, in a small town, yeah. and in a small town like that, it still holds weight. Oh right. yeah. Yeah, as Stacy Keach's genius in the film, him and Bruce Dern are yeah. the yin and yang of acting styles of just everything. That it's really brilliant casting by by everyone yeah. involved, and and again, this extended family. I'll let you guys talk about the, the details about it to the degree that you want to, but the but without spoiling too many of the reveals and bits and moments, it's it's these interactions really in the center of the film that are the most important thing. And, and I like what they do is 
each character as they kind of introduce who this person is to Bruce Stern's character. You, you know, Bruce Stern is this confused, quiet, uh, drinks too much, doesn't pay attention, all of that. But then you find out, oh, his wife thought everybody was trying to get into her pants. And she would point it out about oh every single male character oh. in the town. And the best part for me was when she was at the cemetery and she's talking about this guy that's dead. And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, he wanted to get in my pants too. And uh, <laughs> Will's character walks away and she lifts her dress and is like, <laughs> Now, don't you wish you wouldn't have been talking about the wheat so much? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what you missed. This, I mean, yeah, this is what you missed on. Hysterical. But this buildup of her and you realize, oh, my God, listen to her. And the way she talks about everybody else and is just, I mean. It, oh, yeah. It, stand I mean, why, yeah. you know, he drank. I would have drank too if she was my <laughs> wife, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you meet, um, and I'm sorry, what was the character's, the bully's name again? I can't remember. We didn't uh, say. It. Yeah, Stacey Keach, uh, the character's name is, yeah. um, oh my gosh, it is, come on, where's my cast list? There it is. Uh, Ed, Ed Pegram. There you go. Yes. So Singing Ed, in the ghetto at karaoke night oh God. at the <laughs> Bonanza or wherever they are. Holy crap, that's funny. Right. Ed ends up basically threatening the family if yeah. he doesn't get money. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. The winning. That's this. That's the really sad, dark thing is that uh, you know everybody wants this is money now that he has money. It's well depressing. And that's what it is. I mean, all of these family members and and uh, you know, they're. They all come out of the woodwork and they're like, we deserve money. Do you know how much money that we gave you yeah. or gave him? And, and the wife, she does have these moments where I think she's realizing too who her husband is, you know, and is coming to his defense. You know, where, where do you think you got all the money for your beauty shop? Uh, when my parents croaked. Yeah. So she's like, mm -hmm. I have. I have records of how much, all of the all money. Of it, yeah. Oh, yeah when, yeah. when she says... When how she much did Woody does charge the, you to repair receipts. your cars for yeah. decades? Yeah, right. And, Nothing. And, and, and I think... Maybe his business would still be around if it weren't for that. You know, it's... Right. Gets, he had nothing. He, right he gave everything away. That's why he drank. And I think it's the mother realizing this, the family members... The sons are hearing it. All this. The sons yeah. are realizing it. It's like, oh, my God, this mm -hmm. person who I've been thinking this my whole life, I had no idea. And then they go to his childhood home and he said, this is my parents' room and this is where I got whipped and all of this. And he says, I guess nobody's gonna be whipping me now. And you, they flashed to the wife and the sons. I mean, all of this was so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I just- it's a, it's, it's a story of discovery and it's, it's awesome. It really is yeah. a good movie. Super, super good. Yep. It's so good. Um, and despite right, let's, the, the inherent darkness in people, it's a, it's a buoyant comedic film that really keeps you engaged on several levels throughout mm -hmm. in a sort of masterful way. The comedy's not there to provide relief. It's in, it's yeah. ingrained into the thing. 
It's it, you know what I mean? Story. So it doesn't have to do this comedy balancing is act. The it's story. Yeah. And life yeah. is so, this. It is comedy. So natural, it is tragedy. It's so natural. You can't help but burst out laughing like, Truly, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and yeah, I think that's why you know, casting Will Forte, casting Bob Odenkirk, and June Squibb, uh, these are you know, th- they're not punchline comics, they're not right. jokey, they're they're the humor from them comes, you know, any of Will Forte's characters on Saturday Night Live or in uh, uh, Last Man on Earth, it comes from his. It, it, the comedy comes from his, you know, just his inherent will forteness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, same with, same with Bob his, Odenkirk. His, my favorite scenic moment in the whole thing is his apartment. He's, he, this <laughs> movie takes place at, at, with the present day, which would have been 2013, but he has this 1994 apartment, like to the T it's got the couches with the massive double stacked cushions like they used to have. He's got the big wireless phone with the big silver buttons on it. Like just everything about it was bought whenever he got out of college, like at this certain time, it has this so specific specificity to it. I don't know that I took joy Mm -hmm. in that. You know, I really, really dug that, that he's a character out of time as well. He's still selling stereo equipment to people, which is, I mean, it's, People still buy stereo equipment, but it's just, it's not a thing like it used to be. You don't like, buy it like you buy a car, like Audio King, or exactly. something like mm-hmm. that. You know, it was. It, 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 and I think every part of the movie was kind of like that too. I love I at the end when they're at their aunt's house, and pretty soon, you know, first it was just the aunt and uncle and okay. the brothers, and you know. Woody and the son, and then comes the mom, and then comes some more. All the furniture she has to trot out to accommodate all these people is really funny. And it's so awesome. I love the scene where everybody's in the same room watching (laughs) the TV, and the audience is the TV. Yeah. So everybody's facing you. And at this point, there's brothers and sisters and aunts (laughs) and uncles and everybody. It's awesome. Do you still drive that Chrysler? Huh? I never had a Chrysler. <laughs> I never had a Chrysler. Yeah, yeah, you did. Like, yeah, yeah, you did. No, yeah, I never did. Cars like that anymore. Those things. I had a Chevy. Quit running. Oh yeah, the Chevy. To that Buick, it quit running. <laughs> and then, and then that moment, and then, and then the, the moment of silence, and then two tasted drive from Billings. <laughs> you know, and the. The, the discussion about how long it took them to drive. Uh, was, Whether they're making uh, good hit, time or not. Yeah, that hit a little too close to home for someone uh, with the, you know, with my family. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to our final film. This was uh, the, the impetus of this whole uh, of this whole show. Shauna um, uh, chose Shauna's uh, selection for our movie. Our movie club uh, was the hilarious comic romp. Dead man walking. <laughs> uh, I, I, real, real quick. I will say that I remember after seeing this for the first time, uh, and, and I just, re- I vividly remember the lights coming up in the movie theater and just going, oh. <laughs> so that, that, yeah. So that was. Uh, so that's partly why I chose it. You know, thinking about movies that really like caused me to think and and just wow and uh that's this movie I've I had only watched it once the first time when it came out uh back in 95 um me I had watched it twice but for me for a movie I've owned three different ways 
in all these years to have only watched it in the theater and then once during COVID. That was the second time I watched it, and I just watched it again to make sure I'd have it fresh in my mind. But it ain't in a movie when you see it on the shelf, even though you love it, and even though it's good, you don't go, oh, let's just pop that in. It's just simply not that kind of film. You have to, there has to be some sort of agenda, honestly, to get it. It's like Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that movie, and I haven't watched it again. I, I like the movie. I think it's amazing. Proud to have it on the shelf, but not, not watching it very often. I get it. It is not an easy movie, and that's what this is like. So it's funny, when I turned it on to watch it again for the show, right away I was like, oh, God, Shauna, why did you do this? <laughs> uh, I, I said the exact same thing when I started it. I went, oh, Shauna, why did you do this? Yeah, what are, yes. you, what are you doing <laughs> yes. to us? Yes. Uh, so that being said, I'll explain it really quick. Um, it's a movie about a convicted murderer that is sitting on death row. And he's basically um, do to be executed in a brief amount of time. He doesn't know in the beginning of the movie, I don't think when exactly, um, but he's on death row and he writes a letter and the letter gets into a, a nun's hands and they they strike up a relationship as far as- um, Writing back and forth a, a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, they, they write back and forth and she ends up going in and meeting him. And uh, she'd never worked with anybody on death row before. I don't think she had even been in a prison before. Um, and uh, they end up talking and she goes back. He doesn't think she's gonna return. She does. And then they, they continue uh, to build this relationship as he's trying to fight for a stay of execution to, you know, stop the execution. Right. It, it's made pretty clear that early in the story that, that, you know, he's trying to get a stay of execution. That's exactly right. His appeals process is maturing. His date is coming. I don't think they announced it at the beginning either, but it, it's imminent. And, yeah. um, and, you know, there's billboards all over the state of the governor saying how tough on crime he is. Like they're just, they're not expecting help from anywhere, but she helps get him assigned to a caseworker who just does death penalty defense cases for free. Lawyer, I mean, that yeah. it all has to be free or it doesn't work. So she gets him in touch with that and gets sort of wrapped up in his life. Um, but it's made very clear in the film. Even the lawyer says she's like, well, I don't you know, I don't I don't want I don't think it's OK that he should just be set free or anything. And he's like, he's not going to be set free. He was there. I mean, that's established. This is really about his whether we're, the state's going to kill him or not. It's really yeah, all this it's is about. really just trying to get him life in prison instead yeah. of mm -hmm. being executed. That is it. Which, no even though he's talks tough and we get a different version of him played by Sean Penn, depending on what mood he's in or, you know, he's scared, basically. I mean, this is what we learn about him in the movie. He's scared and he acts out, that fear acts out in all these crazy ways. He comes at her, he gives these weird interviews, he's doing all this stuff. And he didn't even really know why he's doing it. That's how we kind of act when we're, when we have fear eating at us someplace deep inside. And... And she's sort of, she's sort of, it's, she's a fascinating character because this nun played by Susan Sarandon in her best role ever, and she's had some humdinger of roles. 
but her Oscar winning role uh, uh, just sort of always has an answer for him. And she believes, because she's accused several times, what are you doing with this murderer? This rapist, evil murderer with the swastika tattoos and stuff. Why are you even talking to him? Nobody else will even talk to him. And all of a sudden she is, and she's getting into the press. Even Scott Wilson as the the chaplain in the prison is like, why are you being Mm -hmm. friendly with him? What are you doing? And she's like, well, he asked me for help and I'm, I'm here to help people. I mean, I help people. That's what I do. And, and at the end game, she makes pretty clear is to help him with his soul, whatever happens. I feel like that's why I'm here. That's what's so interesting to me is that... uh, But that's hard. Even religious people, even Catholics say, we're here for your soul. But but man, when you are put to the test like this... not trying to be his friend. I mean, she's not poo-pooing anything when he comes on to her. uh, You know, she's like, what are you doing? You're on death row and here you Mm -hmm. are playing your dumb games. You're you're trying to come on to me. What, What is this serving you? Yeah. You know, he gave an interview and basically came off as a Nazi and all of this. She's like, why would you do that? You make it really hard for me, us to help you when you do this. It, but not poo-pooing him, even though he's by this time figured out, oh, he's got, what, six days or something till he's mm-hmm. going to be executed. She's not letting him go. She's not saying, oh, you know, she's saying, what are you doing? You know, face up to what you're doing. This isn't helping you. She believes this- in a hardcore sort of, uh, you know, re- deeply religious way that the only way for this guy to find peace, either executed or not, is for him to confess admit- this to admit open it. and honestly. It's the only way for him to be saved in her eyes. Yes. And she's so- always, without cajoling him or without, you know, it, she's always trying saying it outright either right. but she's so, always trying to get him to that point for his own good right and it's so it's a powerful going, push and shove to watch because right. he as wants to do he wants he doesn't want to face the reality of what no, he's done at he's all lying he about it. he's saying he didn't do it the other guy did it the other guy know? went crazy yes and he's not taking any accountability and through this as you're watching their relationship relationship development and the push back and forth they're showing scenes of the murder you know they're showing that it was in the woods they're showing that it's a car and yeah, then who, they joel real more. quick P- peter sarsgaard's the male it's, it's his first Which movie he plays crazy. the murder victim and missy i can't remember her name jaeger i want to say who's also an accomplished actor her first movie yep. was this woman in this crime scene and i just I, I probably just to protect myself from it. I just start thinking about the technical aspects of acting it, shooting it at night, getting muddy and stuff. Like I just can't, ex- I, I had a hard time the first time through, you know, I let it wash over me and it was tough this time through. I was like, well, wow, that's interesting. Like I just, anything to not deal with that incident directly. Cause it is horrific. It, but yeah. the, those two actors and really everyone involved at the other two too, the murderers, frankly, just reliving that sort of thing all night for a couple of nights in a row. (laughs) Even that is hard to fathom, let alone what the incident like that might've actually been like just Mm -hmm. reenacting. It is hard to fathom. I have to say. 
but it, it's interesting how they did it throughout the relationship. They just show bits and pieces yep. that, you know, didn't right away show what happened or who did what or anything like that. They right. set the environment and the atmosphere. And then as this is going on, they also start showing the parents of the kids, the couple. The survivors of the victims. And yeah. this is, to me, this is the most important part of the movie. Yes. Well, yes. And, and it's the struggle between the murderer and the parents. And it's, you know, he's the murderer. It's, you know. Arlie Ermey, of all people, Arlie Ermey and Raymond J. Berry, who almost exclusively play redneck Nazis and villains and, <laughs> and military you know? guys play these two fathers of the, these two people. It just, it's just stunning. And the mothers as well, but it, it, it's just stunning that they've been given the opportunity to do this kind of role in this kind of film. Uh, Ermey's really effective like he always is, but let, just want to focus on Raymond J. Berry for a second. His, the way he's dealing, he's Catholic. So he reaches out to her in a very pointed and yet very sort of respectful way. Why did you not come to us? Why didn't you come to us to help us? Like right. he just, he just doesn't get it and is, is grappling with it. He's clearly a man of conscience. Raymond J. Berry just taking my breath away in this movie is so good because his struggle is our struggle in the film. Truly. We're getting to know this murderer a little bit. We can't help, but take up his cause to a certain degree. Like you just, the movie, it's the movie's cause, right? To, to, to be against the death penalty, which I am personally, like it should be easier to do. Uh, we're certainly on Susan Sarandon's character side, Sister Prejean, but but that's the mechanics of the thing. Then, right when you think you are in a story that you understand where your allegiances are, these parents come in, and I mean, it just his parents too, the murderer's mother. It it just it just throws you for a loop emotionally, and you really can't. It does not allow you to emotionally settle in any conventional way. I'll just say that. And that's the strength of the thing. And I would say it's interesting because it ties to prisoners really well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Prisoners, you have the parents. and sure the parents are torturing the guy that they thought killed. But, but it's a question of where your allegiances are. And but it's and also understanding where they come from. These are the parents. They... Their kids have been raped and murdered. Right. That you know, the, how could you not support them wanting the death penalty? And it ties into Nebraska in the same way, in that we learn who these kids were. They're not just victim number one and victim number two. We learn, mm -hmm. particularly the daughter. We learn through her folk stories, the way her mother. Who, uh, I can't remember who the actor is, but the way her mother tells the story of her daughter's graduation and what she's or her plans were mixed with the details of this murder that happened. Like she can't untangle the two that she can't just tell one thing and leave the other aside. It gets all mixed in and this really painful sort of up and down testimony that she has. And, you know, and just the appearance of the victim's sister in the scene and all of it's just yes. so, so you know powerful. That, you know who that actress is? Uh, yeah. Do I? Eva Murray. <laughs> yeah. The sister. Yeah. That comes in. That's Susan Sarandon's daughter. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 
you know, you become very emotionally tied to the parents and what they're going through. At the same time, Sean, Sean Penn's acting like a lying murderer, you right. know, as you're seeing lying all Lying murderer Nazi, like what's right. the like there? And then they bring in Sean Penn's family with the mother and Jack Black playing the older brother, you mm -hmm. know, and which is was a very early role for him. Very good. Mm -hmm. um, but then you see their relationship with him and how he is to them, you know, how he's protective of the younger brother and how he doesn't want to upset his mother. And all of a sudden you're seeing this humanity in him yeah. and their humanity for the way that they care for him and know that he's going to be murdered or executed rather at midnight of the day, last day that they get to see him, you know? Right. So it's, it's like, it's humanity. It, it, it's the pulling of the humanity of understanding the parents and losing their children and how awful that is. And then the humanity of this is Sean Penn. He is a human. He does love his family and all of this in, in the subject of is the death penalty morally okay? Right. And, uh, but even that, ultimately, that's certainly a big part of it. It's a death penalty movie, without question. But that that idea, that simple idea, are you pro or against the death penalty, is put through the ringer and pushed and pulled and twisted in every way imaginable in the film. The cross-cutting of the execution, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this guy's headed to execution. I think the movie really sets you up for that appropriately but the cross-cutting of that with the actual crime his confession with the scenes from this dastardly unforgivable thing that he's done at the end of the film when we've learned what we can and we've grown with these people as much as we're going to like it just it's my favorite movie in 95 for sure it's still one of my favorite films of all time it's a it's a it's a perfect movie because it because of the way it challenges and because from start to finish, it, it, it insists that you feel everybody's pain and experience everybody's point of view. It just won't let you have it any, it won't let you have it in a simple way. Yes, and, and I don't wanna give away what I think is the spoiler, the ending. Yeah. Um, but I was disappointed that I had seen it before and knew how it was going to happen because I remember experiencing it for the first time yeah. and just being blown away and just i mean i thought about that movie so much afterwards mm -hmm. and and just that moral pull like what what is the right thing that the character that Sean Penn's character is based on, they they really is based on a very real incident that is fairly, it's changed a little bit. Like the character's name's changed. It's actually based kind of on a combination of two people. So there's a little bit of removing it enough from the truth that it doesn't have to be about these poor people that this stuff actually happened to, but only so much so that they still have that kernel of reality and truth built into the thing. Um, but they, even from a death penalty standpoint, and Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins, the director, you know, 
their stance on these sort of liberal issues are, are well known. Probably the three of us, our stance on them are probably pretty well known at this point. But the, but the, even they had to make this decision because he was electrocuted. In reality, the, the guy that this is based on, and they had to decide whether they were going to show this nasty electrocution or they decided they, in a smart way, they decided, and this was the real life character that Susan Sarandon's playing. This was her point. She goes, no, I think they do lethal injection now and they consider that humane. And I think you need to show that because if you show electrocute, if you show some archaic electrocution, you give the audience a chance to say, well, they do injections now. It's much more humane. You, in a way, showing the worst thing is letting the audience off the hook. You need to show mm -hmm. the most humane way and see if they can make their minds up about that in that way. She's right to bring it to the most base level. And I yeah. think, it, I mean, they do a really good job of showing how horribly the kids were raped and killed. And horribly. then he gets shot, you know, a shot that first puts them kind of to sleep before he even is killed. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it is, yeah. I mean, that just adds to it. You know, look at what the kids had to go through and what the parents still have to go through. And and he's basically going to sleep, but still, and that makes it even more, the moral base of. And again, without spoiling the exact details, but there's a very key moment when, when the main events of the film have wrapped where there are still characters who still need help struggling with their souls. And that is about, you know, uh, you, you can, it's hard to take the religiousness away from the story, but you can in a, to a degree, because philosophically, I think it still works. You still have to go on. You're still concerned with your, with whatever your essence is. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it, that, thing your emotional well-being how you can you recover how can you take the next step how can you wake up the next day that battle is still happening and that you get to see that that's always been at the core of who this this nun this true believer character who just absolutely walks the walk in 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 the most impossible circumstances imaginable it's really something to see it's really something to see that film i have to say yeah joel yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I. Lots of laughs here. <laughs> there are hilarious. moments of, of real humanity and humor in the thing. Oddly enough, it's well, certainly that, not that, a comedy in the way Nebraska is. You know, but no, it's here, a less dour I, film than Prisoners is, in my opinion. Well, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the one of the big criticisms of the movie was um, was that you know people did not like that that this horrible murderer rapist was shown as a human right i can understand and so that. that was the yeah it's not was, nice so to have to think lens, about them as a human and that was the lens with which i tried to watch this the, the watch the movie for this show was mm -hmm. uh, uh through the eyes of people and 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 that was the whole you know we keep talking about you know that that was the point was to say yes he is human humans do these horrible things and um and you know and then to to say uh you know is a horrible thing done to done in the name of another horrible thing is that is that a road that we should be going down as a species 
right. you know, and, and, you know, yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, he, and I, I would, I would say that he was, you know, that the whole thing was presented pretty fairly, both sides of the argument um, were presented pretty, you know, like, I like what you, how you put it, Ryan, we're, you know, we spend all this time and we kind of get to, you know, because of our, who our protagonists are, we're, we're, you know, kind of along the, you know, like we get, we're going along and we're like, yeah, man, maybe he should just be put in prison for life. And then we get, then we get the victim's families uh, coming in and it's, and it's a great reminder uh, um, of, of that there, you know, there is uh, an element to, there, there is an argument to be made of when you commit these sorts of acts, you forfeit your right to live. Um, and, and that's, and that's just, and that is a, a, a justification that is, that is used. Um, so yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, was, since you, know, since you did a, that, the least you do is go away so that these people can find even a infinitesimal fraction of peace. We root yeah. for that as well. Please, please find peace, these people. I, you really want that desperately. Um, yeah. If the movie doesn't play fair with you, I think it, it, it to some degree demonstrates that that can't be accomplished through this. Well, and, and maybe, I mean, point. it doesn't that's come out and say that, but it, you mm -hmm. really get the sense of that. That's how well the movie is done is yeah. that yeah. is the point I would say of all of this kind but of, but you could argue, you could, you know, I mean, if I you guess don't I won't like that they showed the humanity of Sean Penn's character. Right. Well, and, and I mean, if, if they didn't do that, then you would be fine thinking he deserves the death penalty, but that wasn't their point. Their point was mm -hmm. to make you think about it and they're not giving you an answer either way. That's true. At all, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. This is, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, ultimately it, all it the test your empathy in every way I can imagine a film yeah. doing it. it. It's, it's maybe the best ever film at that. It's certainly in the conversation. I, I, my admiration and it hasn't changed watching it last weekend. I just, it just knocks me out. Mm -hmm. And it, it kills me that in order to really be able to talk about it to the most base level would spoil the movie if somebody hasn't seen it. Yeah, so if you haven't there, seen it, just We've kind of talked about the what happens and people get that, but there's, I, I, I almost just did it a second ago because I really yeah. want to talk about that, but we're right to leave that alone. Right, I, I was... Yeah. I was watching you. I was so ready to interrupt you. <laughs> down well, like, I'm sorry, Ryan. I am going to have to cut. I'm yeah. going to have to stop um, you right there. I stopped myself because uh, I get what you're saying. It. We should leave it. At, we should let people. There's parts of this where you got to confront it yourself and make up your own mind about it. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So and what we think I'm is isn't helpful. I had seen it and already had felt those emotions because yeah, yeah. it's 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 an amazing experience well i'm glad i'm glad that, so, that you brought it up and that the show made us watch it again because i love it in a way in a way that mm -hmm. i love few stories and yet i i don't i don't love it enough that i want to see it very often <laughs> it's hard to explain. yeah well and that's that's what i was just going to say as I, as I was trying to as i was going to wrap us up here uh it's you know we we've 
we've taken great care to not uh, to not spoil these movies. Yet it is sort of difficult to say if you haven't seen it, go run out and see Prisoners or go run out and see Dead Man Walking. There, uh, these are great films. Um, and Nebraska is we can say, hey, go see Nebraska. Go it's see really, Nebraska. If you haven't seen it. It's really it's a different a, a kind of thing, but there's no reason you shouldn't actually enjoy yourself watching it, and you'll get something very meaningful out of it. Um, that's um, how I would sum that up. <laughs> Prisoners, it's gonna be a rough, rough, rough ride, and you may end yeah. up where where Shauna did, or, or and I did, or you may end up where Joel did. But hey, it's a really quality film that is at least asking these questions and and taking mm-hmm. this sort of event seriously. Uh, it's rough going, but I don't know. I, to me, it's like you watch sort of empty violence and stuff on uh, Walking Dead every week or whatever. There's no reason you shouldn't give Prisoners a try. It'll, it's it's awesome film at least. Walking Dead. I think you're all obligated to watch that. I hate to. I mean, I don't mean to say it like it's an obligation. You mean Dead Man Walking? Dead Man, dead man Walking. walking. <laughs> I'm that like, is what I mean. Walking Dead. Wait, when did we go zombies on the thing? What you bastard? Well, I brought that up as a comparison to prisoners. Yeah. I just think that's that's. Yeah. I mean, that's not. It's entertaining enough, but it's empty calories. Prisoners is yeah. that kind of rather intense violence, but with real meaning to back it up. Um, mm-hmm. Dead Man Walking is a really, really important film that was made, and it it's not some art house movie that was it's subject matter serious enough that it wasn't some smash runaway hit but it's not some weird stylized art house movie with some non-traditional narrative it is not a difficult movie to digest it's just really really challenging material and uh and i i i recommend everybody see that if i had a you know 100 movies to see before you die list that would be on it and it would be near the top yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, how are we on time? Um, all right. We can do a couple questions if they're yeah, short let's enough. Do, yeah. Or even just well, one. hopefully. Yeah. Let's just let's do it. So, um, again. So, please go. You know, check check these movies out if you haven't checked them out. You, you won't be sorry. You might not like us for a day or two. Going. Why did you, you might be mad do? at us? You might go. Ex- why, Shauna? Why, Shauna? Did you make us do this? But you you'll you know um, I, I they they are uh, worth your while. Um, all Send right. All so complaints let's, to the movie show with Joel and Ryan, or you ask absolutely Joel could at ask gmail. Joel and Ryan on Twitter and Instagram, or the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook, or ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com. Yes. All right, uh, here I we go. Hey, let's 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 to do that when I have the master sitting right next to me. Um, all right, so we have uh, we have a couple questions that we can uh, attend to. Sweet. I have a question. Who gave you the right to play God? What the hell's going on out here? Why do I bother? What is the point in doing anything? Hey! What more do you want from me? I have a question. All right. So uh, these are just a couple of things that um, I came up with. Hopefully they'll uh, spark a conversation. Sean, of course, you are you know in on this. This isn't just like a, yeah, you're, not uh, off the hook you know, you're not off the hook. You, you should absolutely chime in. Um, I do have to uh, my husband might come home, which will set the beagles howling. So That's I might okay. put it on we'll, mute. We'll book through it. You know, if the beagles have an opinion, we should get their opinion on these uh, on these questions too. Indeed. Um, all right. So the first one um, of the two, let's do let's do this one. Um, 
streaming movies and there's so many streaming services we've touched on this before in previous shows uh with the number of of different streaming platforms and an exclusivity to uh to certain streaming platforms especially with the like netflix producing things hulu producing disney plus producing mm-hmm. um for their own platforms do we feel like too many films, too many uh, projects are going to get lost and not seen by audiences uh, that, that should be seen? You know, they would lose that chance to be seen uh, if it were under a more traditional movie release model. I don't think so, actually. I mean, I there are movies that are going to get lost because of this, but I and they're different types of movies and, or different titles than would have been lost under a more traditional format. But I think this that happened under traditional format. You would lose track of stuff. Stuff would go out of print. Stuff would just sort of disappear and be difficult to find or to get. Um, so I don't, I don't think so. I think streaming, to, given that it's these only these small handful of corporations that own the rights to these things, it really is only a few. There can't be too many more corporate streaming platforms appearing if any more, I really think they're all kind of spoken for, right? I guess Sony maybe doesn't have one. Sony yet. might have, yeah. Sony probably would be the next big one. But it's not like there's a jillion. The world is run by eleven companies or whatever, and three of them are media companies, and they all have their streaming services. They all have exclusive rights to their stuff. I think what the bummer of it is that, in a hard media standpoint, that stuff gets out there into the market and into the secondhand market and into pawn shops or whatever. And it's there. It's stuff is out there. You can find it. It gets into a library system. It gets into, you know, those things are, those discs are getting old. They're getting scratched. They're going away, you know, unless they're just lovingly preserved over there on the wall, like mine. That, that, I, that bums me out because I feel like the customer the movie goer is less in charge of what gets preserved. Whereas I think when there was something in your hand to preserve, we all had a part in it. And I feel like we don't anymore. It really is up to Sony. It really is up to these people. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not the board of directors. They don't care about anything except the profits. It's up to just some guy to decide what's well, this or it's that blah, blah, blah. It's bean counting. That bums me out. But no, I, it, the, there's so much content being created right now that it just by math, some of it's going to get swept under the rug. It can't be helped. I, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time, you got more and more things to watch than ever before. So, yeah. So, so it becomes more, uh, it be, uh, just to make sure I'm understanding you right. It becomes more like, it's not so much, it, it's inevitable no matter what model it is that, that really some new so. things yeah, Newton. Some new things are going to get lost in the shuffle. That where where it becomes a problem is, is it, it becomes harder and harder to discover to discover that hidden gem. That you old know, something that that old thing is get is really gets way way out of your reach mm-hmm. if you missed it the first time. Yeah, like these days. Like um, uh, I'm just trying to think of a title that's being that's released right now. Like um this i i highly doubt that this is a a a hidden classic but like like peter rabbit is out now and it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with black widow and all these other things uh and then as things go into you know so then as a like maybe five years down the line it's going to be difficult to go man remember peter rabbit 
was I wonder what that if that was really good, you know, and, and you know, it's hard to, you know, because it might not be available on a streaming platform because it didn't do and it, well. And it really initial... wasn't available any other way at the time. So, yeah, yeah it, that could happen. And it, but, you know, that could happen with that culture that started before a streaming services. It started with the new release wall at Blockbuster and you not caring about something that came out before you were born like I pretty much didn't for ages or or even the stuff that came out just after you were born, you know, when you're 25 years old, maybe you don't want to watch something from 1973. It, yeah, I'm a movie buff. So I just like things from all eras and ages. I like to feel the era and things. I think it's fun watching. I mean, I just, I love all that, but that's, that isn't how everybody approaches this. Most people are like, we got two hours. Let's escape our lives with something fun. What's on the wall. Oh, look, Sandra Bullock's in it. I like her. <laughs> done you know and you bring it home and it's over right streaming is just that it's not that different than that really and that is how it's been for a long time so i just i get down on streaming services but i don't want to get too down on it in a way it's a magical wonderful thing so much right at your fingertips right now but Mm -hmm. but it also funnels you and tries to make your decisions for you in a way that i i you know you've heard me talk i lament some of that stuff but it's yeah. not either either or honestly it's it was a, it was always a danger and always a tough thing sure so that Shani, Shani, you didn't say that? much i'm sorry hey, do you hey. like sandra bullock <laughs> sandra bullock um, saturday night live i think it was had this sketch called uh when netflix made some where they were splitting their plans or doing something stupid and their stock like just went took a crash because of this one simple announcement it just shows you how volatile it is for these companies. And they, they mm-hmm. kept having, they had a whole series of these where they had to keep having these sort of apologies. Well, we've heard you audiences, you know, and, and Saturday Night Live did this fake one where they're like, we, now we have, instead of two plans, we have seven plans. And I just remember my favorite, I don't remember any of the others, but the fifth plan was the only blindside plan where you sign up and for four ninety nine <laughs> a month, we'll send you a blindside in the mail on a disc and then you send it back to us and we will send it to you again. <laughs> and that was just it. You just Keep kept swapping discs blindside back and forth. <laughs> and that, to me, that was funny, not just because it's so stupid, but it rings true. Like, <laughs> there's there's yeah. some people who, whether it's actually blindside again and again and again, really just want blindside again and again and again. And that's that's hilarious. And I think that's lamentable, but it's also okay how you enjoy movies is cool. We're trying not yep. to judge people for that stuff. <laughs> so the more blindside, um, the merrier, I guess. I don't know. Directed by John right. Lee Hancock, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Just so you know. Um, all right. So uh, another question, final question here. Um, Hard hitting question coming at you here. Uh-oh. Could a game show or a board game ever actually work as a movie? Clue? Well, yeah, I mean... Then I guess the answer is yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, but there are people that also don't believe that Clue works as a movie. Oh, those people are wrong. (laughs) Right? I mean, we all think Clue works as a movie. Well, okay, so uh, let's let's expand it. So that was a a board game. Can a video game ever work? uh, I mean, there has been, there have been numerous attempts to make video games work as they work as movies. uh, Have they have, have any video games been turned into a great movie? Uh, Not yet. I don't think, 
but they yeah, work as movies. Doom works. What do you think? What do you think holds uh, them back? What do you think holds them back from being good movies? Well, because they're, they're just setups, and I think the movies uh, feel uh, obligated to the setup. And then yeah, there's two things. One, they're getting better and better. Although people are seeing them less and less, so I don't know if that's good or bad. Sonic Hedgehog, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about that, but things like the Tomb Raider reboot. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the film with Fassbender in it? Assassin's Creed? Yep. These are people who were grew up on video games that are making video game movies now. Whereas earlier it was old, the old baby boomers that were making these video games, and they would take the present, the, the premise and just try and make a movie out of it as best they could, but I don't think they really were into it. Assassin's Creed is a succeed-per-level film. That's literally the structure of the thing. It's very video gamey. It's very cinematic, but it's very video gamey. It really takes that idea and sticks to it to the bitter end. People didn't love that movie because it was self-serious and a bunch of other things they don't like, but... But it was really about the game. It really was. These are the, I could feel it in the film, and I've never played Assassin's Creed, but mm -hmm. I could feel. Oh, this is now they got to do accomplish this on this level, and then they got to fight this boss at the end of like it. Literally was a movie based on a video game. Yeah. Maybe more of that will make them better. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. But but I do know that we're getting closer because the people making the movies now are the people who love the games. That enthusiasm i think it's is going to make them better i hope yeah yeah that I, as someone who had a little bit too much to drink and made uh you know and made an error in judgment and watched the new mortal combat um which is an almost unwatchable <laughs> piece of crap there've never been how, a good how, mortal combat film really has there yeah I mean, they really had and and this one this one bad was as any uh one. Oh my gosh, it was so, so, so bad. Uh, you know, as someone who spent his college years just, you know, in the dorm playing Mortal Kombat with my friends, um, it was, you know, so it was like, not like that Clue. I'm like waiting and waiting for the next Mortal Kombat, but I'm like, oh, this will be a silly fun you thing. You want to hear, Jen's not home. I you want to hear an unpopular opinion? Go. Battleship is a pretty good movie based on a board game. I know everybody hates Battleship because it's just this Transformers ripoff piece of flag waving crap, which it is. It is that. I get it. But mm -hmm. it there's a whole moment where they're playing Battleship on the thing, and it's really kind of intense, like with the not with the pegs quite, but with like little electronic grid references and stuff. They're tracing this invisible alien ship. Why are there aliens? I don't know. It, but it, look, I'm just saying that movie did its best take that game and make it part of the movie. And I admired that. Those were my favorite parts of the film, in fact. Hmm. It's not good, but it's okay. <laughs> Do you it's have okay. a favorite video game movie, Shauna? I don't play video you, games. You, I bet you loved, you loved the Mario Brothers movie. I like no, the Mario Brothers movie. I don't love it. I like, I like the Tomb Raider or whatever, the first one. The first one, that's the worst one. I guess I didn't watch the rest of them. The dogs are about to go crazy. All right. We'll let you go. <laughs> okay. okay. We've said our piece. Clue, though, you nailed it anyway. Clue. So. Yeah, Clue, Clue is, yeah, you're right. Clue does is the exception that uh, that proves the, uh, that maybe that, that's the exception that proves the rule. All right. Um, Thanks for hanging out with us, All Shana. right, friends. Good movie club yep. all. 
Absolutely. Thank you all so much for joining us. Again, please reach out to us at the movie show with Joel and Ryan uh, page on Facebook at Ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter and Instagram, Ryan at gmail.com. And if you are watching this on the YouTube channel, well, then you should click subscribe. And if you want to leave us a note below, you certainly can do that. And or that little thumbs up thing, you. you guys. That's not hard, right? A little thumb, you yeah, give it, us a little thumbs up. Click the thumbs up thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt anybody. And it helps us a lot. Do it. Yep. Keep spreading the word. People share our show. We would love uh, love for it to get in more ears and in front of more eyes. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us this week. And we will see you next time on The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Thank you again, Shauna. Thanks, Beagles. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. <laughs>